For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage it. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So we continue this morning. Sorry, Daisy, I was pointing at you going, can you put the passage on the screen? Then I realise I'm the person who does that. So I've been chastised as well. Um, Thanks, Chris. It was nice to hear your voice. Um, So we're continuing this series uh, today. We are... The church we began two weeks ago where I think we should begin really when we begin to talk about what scripture says regarding who we are if we are the church and we looked at we are the community of the spirit and then we had a wonderful experience of that last week on Pentecost Sunday um, where I think the the reality of that was known for so many of us Uh, we got two Um, answers to prayer or two kind of moments uh, of testimony this morning but um, I was one of the anointers and prayers last uh, last Sunday and I've had a few come in I had one just this morning uh, a prayer that has been prayed with desperation for some time that that uh, that had a happy um, answer this week I had a really weird word um, for somebody that I was as I was giving it I thought this is this is, this is going to be really obvious if this doesn't come true because it's strange and, uh, and it happened. And I, I think it's partly because one of the things that we did last week, uh, we gave time and space uh, for the Spirit to really work, to work amongst us as His community. But I think there was also some of us who, who stepped out a little bit. We got out of uh, the rut of where we always sit and what we always do every Sunday. And, uh, and I think God sees that and he, he responds to it. So I'm hoping we'll have a little bit of time for that at the end again this morning because I do think that something has started uh, that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to stop just yet. But we are going to um, have a look at a different picture of the church that comes from Scripture. We're looking at five uh, that I've identified as the big ones the community of the spirit, uh, and then this morning, the body, the body of Christ. If you read enough of the New Testament, you will soon notice that uh, there is a way of speaking about what it means to be a Christian, if you want to use that kind of terminology, that comes through about as much as any other language. And that is the language that comes largely from Uh, the writings of the Apostle Paul, that is the language of being in Christ. That to be a part of the community of the Spirit, to be a part of the body of Christ, is in a sense to be in Christ. Uh, An example uh, that I can give you, um, just off the top of my head this morning, is Galatians um, 
doesn't say the chapter there, just the verse. You've got to guess. Um, but it says, so in Christ Jesus, so in Christ, there it is, in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith, for all of you were baptized into Christ, um, and you've clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's a great passage, isn't it? Um, all of those kind of things that would set us apart from one another, uh, be barriers between um, ourselves and other people outside of Christ, dissolve in Christ. Um, they are reconciled in Christ. Um, and there's a few other passages there that you can have a look at in your own time if you're interested. First Peter 5, verse 14, Philippians 1, 1, Romans 8, 1. Colossians 3.3, using the language of us being in Christ. To be in Christ for way to be made for us into Christ, to have access into him, as it were, is a work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and that's why we started last week when we did identifying the church as the community of the Spirit, and we get insight into this in, in multiple places, but one of them is 1 Corinthians. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. There's a theme, there's, there's some consistency in Scripture. Shouldn't surprise us, should it? Should it? Um, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. So if we are uh, a member of His body, a member of this community of the Spirit, We've been made one in Christ. This uh, is a picture of the church. This is a message that's a part of the good news that I would suggest is, is a little difficult to take at times in the cultural moment in which we live. If this constitutes, to some degree, a kind of culture of the community of the spirit, a culture of the body, a culture of the church those disciples of Jesus, there are elements of it which are a little at odds with the culture of the world around us, right? Uh, one way of thinking about what it means to be a part of the community of the Spirit is there's going to be a sense in which we're different from those who are led by the Spirit of the world, that's scriptural language, or the Spirit of the age, the Spirit that is at work outside the community of Christ. And, and one person who's thought quite a lot about this is a Canadian philosopher named Charles Taylor. Uh, that is sort of his most famous work there, A Secular Age. Uh, there's at least one person who's read the whole thing in the room. I think that's uh, Dr. Tyson because he's got a level of relationship with, with Charles Taylor. I know that there's many who've tried and failed in the room because it is a big book. You can get the abridged version, but even then, I think multiple people have tried to write that. Anyway, Charles Taylor uh, has kind of done a really expansive analysis of the world that we live in culturally in late modern uh, Western societies. And he talks about our culture as having a hallmark that he says is uh, a desire for authenticity. And it's kind of loaded up uh, 
the way that he uses authenticity. He talks about the age of authenticity. Um, and this is kind of what he's getting at when he's speaking about the age of authenticity. He says, each one of us has his or her own way of realising our humanity in our culture in an age of authenticity. And it's important in this cultural context for us to find and live out our own way of life and being rather than surrendering to conformity with a model imposed on us from outside by society or by the previous generation or by religious or by political identity. Anyone recognise that? <laughs> um, there's a chance that we don't too because it's like, uh, you know, the, the old story about the goldfish not knowing that it swims in water uh, because water is all it knows. There's, there's a very strong chance that we're like that. I know I am <laughs> and it takes someone like Charles Taylor to kind of point it out to me because I take for granted that this is just the way the world is and the way the world should be. Taylor says um, that within the cultural context that we live in, within this age of authenticity, anything that could be seen to restrict our individual autonomy is actually viewed with suspicion. And I wonder if you've come across that in the course of your life. I wonder if, like me, you can recognise a little bit of that even within your own heart. So this is where I think we can see um, uh, a picture of the church, a picture of being God's people as being in Christ, together with others, a part of a corporate entity, uh, is going to maybe grate for us a little bit as modern Western people. I'm not saying that as like a, we're, we're terrible, <laughs> we're the worst, uh, we live in the worst uh, culture and history. I really don't believe that. I think there's a lot that's great about late modern Western culture. I'm just putting it out there as a statement of fact. We could be, uh, you know, North Africans from the Middle Ages and we'd have a different set of issues. I'm just saying that these are our issues, <laughs> that there's going to possibly be a chan chance that we, uh, as late modern Western people, struggle with this sort of sense of um, identity in God's people that binds us up with others. It's not all bad news for us, though. And we can see a couple of hopeful points in Romans 13, the passage that Chris read for us in those dulcet, dulcet West, Western Australian tones. Um, what, are, what are sand gropers? Is that what you're called? Do you feel like a sand groper yet? <laughs> struggles with the word gopher. Okay, fair enough. Back to what we're talking about. So Romans 13 says, uh, for just as each of us have one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, I mean, there's a cause for some hope for uh, we individualists, right? Uh, those of us who are uh, members of this culture of authenticity. The Bible, and, and Paul here, is acknowledging actually there's some space for us to be who we are. God has made us each with unique gifts. He's made us, um, he's, he's made us unlike anyone else. And, and there's, a, there's a plan for that in the body of Christ. Uh, 
we all have different gifts. It says in verse 6, a little after this, according to the grace that is given to each of us. So it's not as if uh, we come into the body of Christ and we all have to start talking the same way, wearing the same clothes, um, using the same language, having the same hairstyle. Praise the Lord, all the people said before I was going to set that. Um, You know, there's an an accommodation, it's built into the identity of the church that we can bring who we are to it. Um, it's a little cringy, actually, when you hit a community and, and that's not sufficiently kind of attended to, isn't it? Uh, you feel like you've stepped into a scene from the Stepford Wives or something, just churchy version. Pastor Graham uh, loves preaching um, from Acts 6. So, uh, Pastor Graham, for anyone who's visiting, is our senior pastor. He's um, being a good dad this morning and, and watching uh, Micah play football. Um, but he has uh, this message that he loves to preach from Acts 6. I don't know if, um, if anyone here has heard him preach this message from Acts 6. I, I liked this painting that I found uh, of what's going on in Acts 6. But if you know the story of Acts 6, there's a section where the church, this new community of the Spirit, this new body of Christ is working things out. The apostles are busy kind of preaching and and spreading the good news Um, but in the church community in Jerusalem they're also doing this other very Christian thing uh, which is feeding marginalized people, feeding the poor, feeding people who don't have uh, access to food and in particular they're feeding widows. So in the first century these uh, and in in the Jewish culture these are women who might still have dependents but don't have uh, a working male to, to bring income into the family. And so the Christian community says it's going to be our priority that we feed families who are in this situation. And if you know the story, um, while that's a good thing, um, human nature comes in and there's a little bit of division forming in that church. And it's around the fact that uh, it seems like there's some favoritism towards uh, the widows that um, speak uh, Hebrew uh, and are more Jewish in identity and the widows... Um, that are speaking Greek. You know this story? You're awake? Yep. Are you awake, Chris? If you looked after my kids last night, I'd forgive you for sleeping during church. So uh, what happens is the apostles get together and they say, what are we going to do about this? Because there's important work that God's kind of asking us to do. But uh, there's also this really important issue of, of feeding people and doing it justly. And so uh, let me read you uh, what it says It says, it would not be right for us to neglect, this is the apostles, the ministry of the word of God, that which we're doing. It would not be right for us to neglect it in order to, and I'm doing a little bit of translation here. I've got the NIV on the screen, um, but uh, the Greek's doing something a tiny bit funky here. It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order either to wait tables, that probably is what uh, your translation says, particularly if you've got the NIV, or, and this is the Josh IV, um, serve accounts. So um, the, the word for wait um, is actually the word diakonos, from which we get the word deacon. Um, it doesn't just mean like, you know, to wear a 
an apron over your arm or whatever and hang around at the table, open bottles of wine for people and so forth. It means to serve, so it's bigger than that. And then there is also uses in the New Testament of this word tables um, to talk about like keeping good accounts. So it could either be talking about a waiter or an accountant. The, the point is, <laughs> these are people who are serving a really important function in the body of Christ that might not be preaching, for instance. And so uh, in the church tradition, they've often been called deacons, people who have an important role of service in the church. So we go on, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known for these two things, to be full of wisdom and of the spirit. And we will turn this important responsibility over to them. If you've ever heard Pastor Graham preach this passage, he loves it because of the way it speaks to the fact that there is important work to do that's not preaching or praying, for which the qualification is that of any other minister, right? If you go through the rest of the epistles and you look at the kind of people who are suited to be pastors or leaders, they're people who are full of the Spirit and of wisdom. And so, Pastor Graham loves this. I keep saying Pastor Graham, I love it too. I go to his church. I love his vision of the church enough that I choose to keep going to his church. And it's not just because he pays me amazing money uh, to preach every other weekend. I mean, it's a great point that there are people who are in an, act of, uh, in, a, in an activity of service, in a function and role of service in the church, and we need them to be full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there isn't any kind of uh, ranking in the kingdom of God in terms of the importance of the parts or functions of those parts of the body, right? And that's a good message at a church like this one where it's our heart's desire where everything that we're kind of shooting for is that we as the people of God are involved in ministry and mission. We don't just need Pastor Graham, gifted as he is. We don't just need Charlie, gifted as she is. We don't just need um, Pastor Chris, as amazing as he is. Uh, we need all of us, all parts of the body, empowered by the Spirit, full of wisdom, serving the purposes of God. That's the sort of thing you could say amen to, could you? Yeah. Good. Good. So... We have a picture of the community of the Spirit, a picture of the body of Christ, where we get to bring to the table the individuals that God has made us, but for His purpose. It does still have a tricky element, though, and this comes through right at the beginning. Chris underlines this, because he's human like I am. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought each part exists in this vision to serve the one body so that's where it maybe gets tricky for us we can be who god has made us we'll have our own gifts we'll bring our own perspective god will work uniquely through each of us but in this vision the vision of the body it is for the service of one body I don't know if you've ever noticed uh, with uh, young people playing sport, um, I may or may not be drawing from personal experience as someone who's been watching 
some young people play sport who I may or may not be related to, but I've seen this with other people uh, as I've coached soccer and, you know, coached down at the football club and that sort of thing. I see it more with boys because I've spent more time with them, but boys go through uh, stages where they'll, uh, you know, they'll develop, their skills will get really good, and then their body betrays them by growing. And have you ever seen, there's like, there's like the awkward puppy sort of stage. And as I've said, there's someone who is in this building but not in this room who may be at this stage at the moment where it's like some of his, the skills that he's worked hard at developing over the last few years are kind of <laughs> abandoning him as his leg, legs and arms stretch out and he's tripping over himself. And it's like the various bits of his body are just deciding, now I'm making it too obvious, it's, it's, the various bits of their body are just sort of... Uh, betraying the overall purpose of their body. They're running and they're tripping over their own feet. You ever, ever seen that, the, the puppy dog stage? It's, <laughs> it's, not, a good, uh, it's not a good scene for uh, the body of Christ, right? If we're just, if those of us who prophesy are just prophesying regardless of what's going on for the rest of the body, if those of us who serve are serving our own agendas, if those of us who are gifted to teach are teaching whatever we want, regardless of what the, bit, the body needs... If those of us who are called to encourage are encouraging the wrong things, if we're only giving to what we want, if we're givers, if we're leaders, we're only leading according to our own agendas, if we're merciful, we're only giving mercy to those who we want to give mercy to, it's not a picture of a unified body, (laughs) it's a picture of a mess, but it can easily happen, right? And so we've got to walk this line, those of us who are a part of the community of the Spirit, a part of the body of Christ, of operating in the unique giftings that God has given each of us, of, of, of using them to the fullness of their capacity, but at the same time being aware of what's happening in the body, serving the whole of the body. I had the misfortune recently of being thrown into uh, a bureaucratic loop. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. So you email or call the person that you think you're supposed to call or email, and they, this is person A, and they say, actually, you know who you need to talk to? Person B. And so then you email person B, and they say, oh, I think person C can help you with this. You know, you know this. Uh, I think we're okay with it in Australia. Other cultures, apparently Italy's terrible for bureaucracies. But you see what's happening here. So I email person C. Meanwhile, the job that I need done, the task that I need fulfilled, um, you know, has, has a matter of urgency about it. So I talk to person C and they go, okay, I can do this part of it, but you'll need to talk to person D. I talk to person D and they say, actually, you need to fill in a ticket. So I fill in a ticket and then guess who answers the ticket? Person A. You ever had, had a situation like that? Um, that's a picture of an organisation where everyone's just offloading responsibility, right? There's no, there's no uh, vision of what the whole body's doing. No one's saying, I'm going to take responsibility for what everybody's doing. It's each to their own. It's a picture of dysfunction. So the picture of the body of Christ is one where we use our differences, our different callings, our giftings as prophets. I don't know why I started with prophets first. I feel... Um, feel a little bit judged as as someone with a prophetic streak, Uh, but he did. Prophets, servants, teachers, encouragers, givers, leaders, the merciful. We get to do those things each in our own unique way for the one 
body. I don't know if you recognise what that is. It's maybe a little confronting for this time of the morning. But that weird little bit, uh, that sort of poking down the bottom is, does anyone want to guess? <laughs> the intestines, it's kind of connected. Uh, that is the appendix. So you can actually see the appendicular artery there. That might give it away a little bit. That's the appendix. I was always deeply unsatisfied as someone who grew up in, a, in an educational environment that really stressed um, that you know, God created the world and there's a reason for everything, that whenever I'd ask, what does the appendix do? Because some of my friends would get theirs cut out from time to time. Actually, I lived in fear of appendicitis as a child. Did, does anyone else share that with me? It's like... It's like there's this weird thing in your body, no one knows what it does, but every now and then it'll hurt so much that they have to cut you open and pull it out. Um, praise God, I, I've never had it. But, you know, I'd, I, it troubled me as a child. What, why is it there if it doesn't do anything? And it turns out uh, there's been recent research uh, around about 2007 um, uh, that suggests that the appendix, actually, I don't know if this is better than it doing nothing, uh, they think might serve as a reservoir for helpful bacteria. So, you know how increasingly they're finding out about our bodies that they're actually micro kind of cosms, they're, little, they're environments of living things. And uh, say, if you do a, a course of antibiotics, you know how you can kind of be more susceptible to getting sick after that or your stomach can be upset. One of the reasons why is because you've potentially killed off all the good bacteria that live in your system. Uh, gut flora, I believe they call it, which sounds nicer than bacteria. It's like a little garden down there. <laughs> Germy little garden. Um, so the, the thinking is that maybe uh, what's going on actually is... Uh, it's protected enough from the kind of general flow of your digestive system that even when uh, your, the, 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 uh, the little gut garden gets decimated, there's, there's enough of a reservoir there for it to, to blossom and bloom again. That's kind of cool. That's more satisfying than it does nothing. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about times in my life where I felt like a bit of an appendix in the body of Christ. And um, maybe, <laughs> it's not really meant to be that funny, Chris. But, you know, like you can see the body working and you're like, what, what am I doing here? What can I contribute to this? Uh, my gifts, if I have them, don't seem to be recognised. I feel a little bit like an appendix, right? Like an afterthought. I just wanted to take a moment to encourage us, particularly if there's anyone in that place. You know, there might be seasons where our purpose is unknown in the body. Actually, sometimes uh, we need seasons of rest, right, where we're just healing. We need seasons of, of not being overly used. Um, and, so, and so sometimes I think we will have like appendix seasons, where it's okay for us not to be in the thick of things. I also think that in the mystery of God, there's a chance that, like the appendix, maybe we're contributing something that's a little bit below the surface, right? And to just trust God that if we're 
in Christ, if we're in the body, we just need to continue to trust that he's using us. And I do believe that there will be seasons um, where we're more active and it's more clear. But if there are seasons where we feel like an appendix, we've got to trust that God is doing something that in the mystery of the system, uh, not that you're a reservoir of uh, bacteria, but maybe God's uh, holding you for a season to come. Maybe by not being so active in one season, there's going to be a season where maybe others, like our system, can fall down sometimes and need repopulating with flora. There's going to be times where we're going to be able to step up and start something new. And so don't be discouraged if you're in one of those down seasons. And it's really easy for people to hear me as a pastor who, you know, you know, is trying to get things done and are always looking for volunteers to, to help us. And, you know, there's always resource challenges. It's really easy for people to hear the pastor going, you should be doing more. I don't, I'm not the person who decides that. Right? God, God's the person who decides that. And there will be seasons where the right thing for us is to be on a bit of a slow burn or a low burn or be a little apparently dormant until God really wants to use us in a new and fresh way. And I think um, to bless the rest of the body. Could I get the band up? Because we're going to um, come around the table for a time of communion. If we are the church, we are the body of Christ. If we're the church in late modernity, there's a chance that we're going to struggle actually with the idea that we could have an identity that goes beyond our autonomy and what we want to do. I think we just just need to count that in you know we need to factor that in it's going to be a wrestle for us to be a part of the community of God but God has made each one of us to be a part of his body and the Holy Spirit can empower us and gift us to be a blessing to others but it's for others body works, the church works, where we follow Jesus' example and we live a life that's not about us and our patch, but about that great and eternal work that God is doing in